Hello, and welcome to Red Rock Relationships, a podcast about communication. Let's unpack the relationships that we encounter in our daily lives and learn about what makes them tick. And now your host for Red Rock Relationships, Dr. James B. Stein. If you're listening to this, uh, it is the Friday of spring break, and I know you must be thinking, James, didn't you didn't you want to take some time off? Didn't you want to didn't you want to relax? And a wise woman once said, "You got to work. You got to get your ass up and work." And we are going to be talking about that wise woman today, uh, specifically here uh, in this season. We've been talking about celebrity relationships, and we got a good one. This time, I'm not going to lie, we are going to be talking about the Kanye West, a.k.a. Ye, and Kim Kardashian. And to help me do that is former guest of the pod, Rachel Vanderbilt. Rachel, thank you for taking some time out of what is not spring break for you to join. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk about Kim and Kanye. This sh- this should be a very interesting conversation, uh, and it feels like forever since we've done it. End of February, we did the Johnny Depp Amber Heard thing uh, with with Dr. Franks, and and that one was we could we could have done three more episodes on that one, but we do have limits. So anyway, um, I want to get into it. Today we're going to be talking, like I said, about the two of them, and we're going to be using relational turbulence theory as a uh, as a guide. Now, I'll say this to the listeners: if you're interested in the more detailed, nuanced elements of relational turbulence theory, check out season two, episode one. I talked with Dr. Denise Solomon, the architect of the theory. So we're going to be operating assuming that you have this broad basic knowledge of the theory. Just for the record, if you want to know more, we've done a whole episode on it. That said, the other thing that I'm going to try really, really hard not to talk about is a certain right-wing fascist 1930s German party. We will see how that goes. So, if we can, I want to start by sort of walking through the timeline of the relationship. So, Rachel, are you able to kind of guide us through the whole Kim-Kanye saga? I am going to do my best. (laughs) Their relationship is messy and complicated, and it starts in the spring of 2012 when they publicly start dating each other. They quickly thereafter announce that they're pregnant with their first child, North, and she is born in December of 2013. Um, They get married in May of 2014, so a couple months after that. Um, And then they also get pregnant and have a second kid in December of 2015. So they navigate um, this very rapid set of transitions from dating to starting um, becoming parents, basically, getting married, having a second kid. And that all happens pretty quick, one after the other. Um, And then there's sort of like a little break after December of 2015. Well, maybe not because we're in 2016. Um, There is a bunch of drama that starts happening in 2016. The first of which is Taylor Swift gets brought into the mix here when Kanye releases his song Famous. And it has this line about Taylor Swift that's not particularly kind. And so Kim and Kanye publicly sort of get into this battle with Taylor Swift and shortly thereafter, there's um, Kim gets robbed in Paris. And after this Paris robbery, that is frankly really traumatic for Kim. Um, you know, Kim is uh, Kanye is pretty supportive of Kim after this event. He like flies to see her, take care of her. Um, but then a bunch of really strange events start happening. 
Kanye um, comes out in support of Donald Trump and is really vocal about his support of him. Um, and then Kanye actually gets hospitalized um, for a week. And his doctor comes out and, and says that he experienced a bout of temporary psychosis. And this is where like some rumors of divorce start emerging and his mental health starts entering the conversation. Um, in 2018, a couple years later, we see that Kim has sort of pivoted in her public persona, and she starts taking on work to reform the criminal justice system, which this is a huge character arc for Kim, is this move from this socialite celebrity fashion icon into a more serious role of trying to impact change in our country. Um, and at this event, in 2018, Kim sticks up for Kanye in his support of Donald Trump. And she says, um, he doesn't actually mean that. He just likes Trump as a person, as like a, a figurehead. He doesn't like his policies. But um, in 2020, Kanye runs for, for president. Um, and this is after the birth of two more children that they have via surrogate. And um, he, during this presidential run, he makes um, some really gross comments about his first child, North, um, about how they would have terminated that pregnancy. And and that was a very public kind of family, um, a public expression of a private family matter. And Kim sort of immediately rushes to him and they're photographed having this really tense conversation about that. Um, Kanye then tweets that he's been wanting to divorce Kim for years. And um, it's because in that 2018 time where she's dealing with um, all this criminal justice reform stuff at that event where she stuck, stood up for him, um, she was with Meek Mills and Kanye saw that as a threat to him. And so he starts publicly sort of bashing his wife at that point. And it becomes public knowledge that the two of them are separated and they're sort of living separate lives at this point. Um, they're living in separate cities and sort of operating in their own circle. And in 2021, rumors of divorce start swirling really early on. And only a month after those rumors start coming out, they file for divorce officially. Um, and so that is sort of the timeline of their actual relationship. And then after their relationship, there's all this stuff about Pete Davidson and, and Julia Fox, and we can get into that too. <laughs> but that's sort of the, the timeline that we're operating in now. Yeah. And it's so funny because so much happens in between that 10-ish year span. And yet in the public eye, we think about nothing that you've talked about. We think about like the Pete Davidson thing. We think about the Julia Fox thing. We think about, you know, um, going nuclear. I'm not going to say who he said he wanted to go nuclear on, but that's what we think about because as radical as what you just described, very succinctly, I might add, as radical as all that is, what happens next is even crazier, but what happens next has a little bit less to do with their relationship. So I'm glad you stopped there. Now, one thing that you noted early on in your uh, overview of their relationship is the amount and the uh, rapid nature of the series of transitions that they go through, which if you know anything about relational turbulence theory, the original model articulated that during these transitional times, turbulence uh, poses its greatest threat. So I don't think we need to go over all of that, but could you maybe just give me your broad overview of like the postulations of RTT, uh, perhaps like as it is applied to this relationship? 
Yeah. So to start, relational turbulence is this assessment of the relationship as being relatively chaotic or unstable. And so this comes from a series of repeated unproductive communication episodes that are emotionally volatile, they're cognitively unproductive, where we're making biased assumptions of our partner and are behaving pretty negatively towards one another. And this comes as a product of all these transitions that we've been talking about, where we are experiencing a great deal of uncertainty or an inability to reflect on or effectively predict the relationship in a meaningful way. Um, and and we also, we sort of develop routines with each other in relationships. And I don't even know that Kim and Kanye got to the point of developing routines before they got interrupted by these transitions. But when transitions happen, we create opportunities for increased uncertainty, but also opportunities for our partners to get in our way. And I think when we're reflecting on Kim and Kanye, these moments of getting in each other's way become really apparent. So just like a note about Kim as a person, I think this is common knowledge, clearly very strategic in the way in which she presents herself in the public eye. Whereas Kanye is more openly publicly messy with his communication is a lot less strategic and a lot freer with his mouth. So um, what we see here is opportunities arising for our partner to get in our way. Um, and all of that together, this uncertainty, this partner getting in our way, this really aggressive negative communication that's unproductive, repeated over time, coalesces into the sense that our relationship is unpredictable. And I think we see that here. Like Kim is sort of cleaning up after Kanye at a bunch of these points. Like after he gets into this feud with Taylor Swift, that was completely unnecessary. Kim comes out and is like, well, that was a compliment. He didn't mean that negatively. Um, she's mothering. She's 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 mothering. Yes, she is mothering him. She is coming in and cleaning up his messes. And after he like goes on this political campaign trail and like makes these terrible comments about their children, um, you know, she comes in and is like, "How do you even deal with that afterwards? Like, what do you say to that?" So you know, Kanye is going out of his way to sort of mess up. Kim's, you know, the, the way she portrays herself in the public eye, that just really complicates things. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's, and so, okay, so that was super succinct in terms of how do, uh, relational turbulence theory has these three panels, and I think we just went over the first two panels, right? It's this kind of like cyclical, uh, 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 you know, Cognitions affect uh, communication, uh, affect the cognitions, which affects the communication. It, it goes on and on and on and on and on. And then you get to what Dr. Solomon would refer to as like the thick arrow, which takes you into this third panel. Um, and, and that's kind of different for every relationship, right? But it, it's like you said, once you get to this uh, homeostasis of my relationship is unpredictable, it starts to affect re these big long-term issues. Like for example, um, social network disclosures, supportiveness, uh, joint activity planning, like these big, big relationship moments or, or aspirations that might not otherwise be affected. And so I think we see a lot of that in this relationship. Um, can you speak just a little bit on how you feel like the nature of their international celebrity further affects that that thick arrow and these long-term relationship plans. 
Yeah. So I think it, this is where things get sort of complicated. So as you oh, said, this, this, this is where it gets complicated. Okay. Good to know. So, yeah. So complicated <laughs> because their relationship is obviously in a state of constant chaos. And again, with Kim's desire to like maintain this public image that is a put together business person, she is constantly interrupted by her partner. And she has these like sort of conflicting desires. Like she'd like to be supportive to Kanye, but he is completely unpredictable. And so we know that after the big fat arrow, as Denise calls it, into relationship turbulence land, it prevents us from providing effective support to our partner. And I think we see Kim really grappling with that. Like, how can I defend my husband in public when I can't even defend him privately, right? Like you see, I think on Keeping Up With The Kardashians, this tension of like, how how can I talk about my relationship in a, in a place where I'm supposed to be really open about my life? And I, I think there was a period of time where she didn't talk about her relationship at all to mitigate that. Like Kanye was not involved in the show and she she felt like she couldn't have that part of her life be in the public view because uh, he, he was so unpredictable. And so she couldn't provide him adequate support, I don't think, because of that uncertainty and that perception of chaos. And I'm not sure if you agree with that, but that's one thing where I see after the big fat arrow in particular. Yeah, and like the thing about Kim Kardashian is that it's not just that she wants to be a businesswoman, she is a business comma woman. It reminds me of the old Jay-Z lyric where she is the brand. It's not just that she's a celebrity and also she has a business. The business is her celebrity. Right, like Kim, Kim K is one of those women who are famous for being famous, and then since then has been able to build an entire brand off of that. And so when you get to this point where you're like, okay, my husband is part of my life and my life is the brand, now it, it, there's so much entanglement. Like that interdependence is so inextricably intertwined to her character, her financial success, her public and private life, that there's just no way to manage a relationship like that. Um, so I, I feel for her on that. And, and it showed, like, you know, it, her, uh, you know, inability to, to control her out of control husband affected her in on every level that you can be affected by it. And, and, and it's tough, it's tough. It's so hard. And I think, you know, another element that comes out of feeling like this sense of chaos in your relationship is an inability to effectively plan. And I think we see this, right? Like Kanye, as someone who is really unpredictable and just like very spontaneous, he, you know, he has four kids. And at one time, I remember there was a moment in their relationship where he's like, I want to move to Chicago. And Kim's like, my business and my whole life are in, you know, in California. Like, what am I supposed to do? You want me to just uproot my whole life and go to Chicago? And she's like, how can I like plan my life with a person who is so unpredictable? And like, I don't even know where our relationship stands. Like, we're not in a good place and you just want to pick up and move somewhere. Like, and so you see them just navigating these tensions really clearly where it becomes hard to make plans when your partner is so chaotic and there's a ton of uncertainty in the state of your relationship. Um, and so, yeah, there's just like, I think we see that very clearly in this relationship that they just, they have a hard time working around each other. Yeah, and I think that there are, at least on the part of Kanye, there there are elements of control that come into play here. We might have time to get to it, but before we do, 
I want to uh, I want to play a, a viral audio clip that uh, that came from Kim. She's talking about co-parenting with Kanye and what it's like. Like, and I think it's such a like a devastating but also very informative clip. So I'd like to play that, and then I'll ask you a quick question about it. So Sean, if you wouldn't mind, like I could be going through something, but if we're riding to school and they want to listen to their dad's music, no matter what we're going through, and no matter what is being happening in the world. Like I have to have that, you know, Mm. smile on my face and blast his music and sing along with my kids and act like nothing's wrong. You know, as soon as I drop them off, I can have a good cry or, you know, text back and do what I got to do. But it's like, I had the best dad. I had, I don't want to get emotional. No, it's just been a day for me. But like, it's been a time. It has been, Mm -hmm. you know, it's hard co-parenting. It's really fun hard mm-hmm. you know and like you're not co-parenting with the with just anyone yeah for the quietest easiest. but i had the best dad mm-hmm. and i had the best memories and the greatest experience and that's all i want for my kids as long as they can have that mm-hmm. that's what i would want for them you know so like if they don't know things that are being said or what's happening in the world, like, why would I ever bring that energy to them? Mm-hmm. You know, that's like do real look, heavy, heavy they... grown up shit that they're not ready to like deal with. So um, I think that Kim Kardashian over the course of her career has received a lot of criticism. Uh, some of it she might've deserved. Um, when I listen to that clip, I can hear echoing in my mind a lot of maybe her haters saying like, oh, poor you, you know, mega millionaire, life's so hard. That is such a human clip from her. It shows that like all of the money in the world cannot protect you from your humanity. And so I think that that's such a, a, such a clear window into her lived experience. So as you listen to that, what a uh, uh, stage... I'll say, what stage of the turbulence process do you see this relationship in? Because she's talking about her relationship there, even though it's several years over. So, so what what stage do you see them being in right now? They are they are in the midst of turbulence. There, I mean, it is. They are essentially engaging in really negative, persistent behaviors. Their relationship is chaotic and uncertain and completely unpredictable. And I think they're in a universe where they have already sort of transitioned across the big fat arrow and are existing in just a constant state of turmoil. Um, They're talking past each other. There's a public sphere that is clearly like facilitating some of these issues in their relationship and it's affecting her children. Like she's talking about how all of this press and all of this public airing of their relationship problems in this, like, let's say it's social network disclosure. Kanye's coming out and like talking crazy stuff about the relationship. Mm-hmm. Kim has to protect her children from that. He's like taking it out of her hands, blasting it out to the universe. And, and she just, has to do the best she can to make sure that her children are okay and they're not hearing bad stuff about their dad, right? Like, it's not even just about Kim at this point. Like, she doesn't want her kids to feel differently about their dad. And that, I think, like, oh, my God, it, like, wrenches at my heart. Yeah, it's it's so mature of her, right? Because she could easily, she has all the resources in the world to create an environment where they never see him again, where they know everything about him and what she's above all else she's saying like i 
I, I want them to have at least the option to have a relationship with their father, which is like, I can only like, of all the stuff he's shared publicly, imagine all the things that he said that he's chosen not to share. So, uh, you know, I, I feel for her and especially the kids uh, in that regard. But I agree with your assessment. I think that this is full-blown turbulence, which is very interesting to me. Because I think if we consider things strictly from a theoretical standpoint, I think the theory would argue that once relationship termination occurs, turbulence should subside. And in this instance, it has escalated, which is so, I mean, obviously it's terrible, but it just also fascinating to show how the tenets of this theory uh, link up in this unique circumstance to create a more turbulent atmosphere even after the behaviors that should uh, reduce turbulence occur it's it's fascinating i yeah i th i imagine that must be like specific to relationships that are uniquely enmeshed like they have four kids but they also are sort of like a business unit mm -hmm. they cannot get out of their own way um and like they are constantly being reminded of their relationship via the press and interviews and uh, social network members. And it becomes really hard to like extricate yourself from that turbulent moment. Like you are still actively impacting my ability to accomplish things in my life and you are interfering in me accomplishing my goals. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the turbulence can continue in those situations, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, what a what a what an unfortunate mess. I I, I hope that um, Kim is successful in her efforts to protect her kids. Um, last thing I want to talk about. We have a few minutes left. Um, bonus question time. I rarely get to these, but we we've got time for it. So Kanye's rise and fall in what we would refer to as the manosphere, the specific area of the internet concerned with like men's rights and pro-misogyny, uh, that sort of thing. I find this journey fascinating. He received some of the most steadfast support from the Manosphere community right up until he went on Alex Jones's show and said the things that he said on that show. Why do we feel like so many men were willing to support him up until that moment? And, and after, you know, there's still some folks who do, but for the most part, his his support went from like maybe 40% to about a half of a percent, right? Really quickly. Why were people so eager to support him to take his side? Yeah, this is, this is also really complicated. And I have an answer that I'm curious if you agree with. To me, people who are in the manosphere, um, they operate publicly in these dog whistle terms. So you're not coming out in public and saying what you really feel out loud. And when Kanye crossed the threshold of being just like a regular garbage person to like being an overtly like anti-Semitic person, he, a public support of Kanye is, there is no way to hide your support for the views he was espousing. Like he said, I, I really like Hitler. He did okay, say there's that. no there is no coming back from that. You know what I mean? And so to me, that's where the, the line is drawn is when it's like a public, very overt, not very hidden statement. No, I think you're 100 percent right. I, I The term fatherless behavior comes to mind. Um, and fatherless behavior is a dog whistle right? for saying that it's the fault of the woman. 
right? Fatherless behavior. You didn't have a father. Therefore, your mother inherently raised you wrong, right? So, okay, so we get that. Um, that's a dog whistle. If somebody comes out and says, I hate women, women should not be raising kids by themselves, you're going to lose support. Right. And I think I think you're dead on in terms of what happened with Kanye. He was saying all of these things that appease the uh, frustrations and the desires uh, and the fears of mostly young white men. And then he came out in objective and explicit support of Adolf Hitler, which other than a very tiny percentage of the of the population, we know that that's a line you don't cross. And so I think that I think it's very astute. The, the language that he used, he was mistaken in his language, which it, it does society good, because at least now we know to stay away. Right. Yes. Yeah. There is no question of where he stands <laughs> on this topic. So 100 percent. Well, I do feel like we could go on and on and on about this, but we are unfortunately out of time. So I thank you for this very difficult conversation, Rachel. Yes, thank you so much for having me on. Anytime. Next week, we are moving on to a much more dis uh, mature conversation about presidential relationships. We're going to talk about the Obamas and the Clintons and the Trumps. Uh, and until then, uh, I wish you all a happy last couple days of spring break. Get some rest in because finals are right around the corner. You've been listening to Red Rock Relationships, a podcast about communication. Thank you so much for giving us some of your time. If you'd like to be on the show or have questions for us, please send us an email to redrockrelationships at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Just search Red Rock Relationships. Thank you again. And remember, it all begins with good communication. This has been a production from a podcast studio.